any other ideas for establishing some of your initial routines? A lot of the first six weeks, especially with K through two, is just modeling and demonstrating the behavior that you want them to um, get accustomed to. So I tried something last year going back to like squad lines. Um, it's called whistle one, two, three. Whatever you would normally do, I think at the very beginning, as long as the kids are not on top of each other, I, I still think it's still a, a worthwhile way to um, incorporate. Genius. <laughs> What's your top concerns going into the school year? I had two separate kids lose teeth last year from scooters. <laughs> Is that right? I'm not quite sure how um, like cooperative activities are going to look, and I consider that to be a huge part of my curriculum. Sounds like you're upset about a personal elementary experience of playing soccer. Yeah. You didn't get the ball very much, did you? Coach. I guess that's kind of what my gut is, is getting games like that, even if we have to interrupt the game. Or But they enjoyed it. They loved that game. They were like, we got to do this again. And you know, that you can do with partners, you know, kind of, you know, mirroring each other or yeah. rock, paper, scissors. Yeah. Is that based on your birth date or maturity? <laughs> <laughs> You're trying to slide in there, aren't you, Jamie? Yeah. They're shutting all the water fountains off in our school. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. actually. Glad you mentioned that, Audrey. Same same thing in my school. To go if you're in New York, like Don, the, the farther the, the farther you are from the from your partner, it actually creates more of a challenge. With uh, with our younger kids, I have these. To I make up from Toy Story. I have these. The funny side of me is I just actually can't wait to watch kindergartners for the first time. Tough to I got my Green Bay Packer mask ready. Your your which one? Yeah. My Green Bay Packer mask. Awesome. Oh my word. <laughs> Welcome, physical educators. This is Thinking PE. Because Fayette is more than just fun and games. I'm Stacy Nelson. And I'm Jamie Seneca. And it's our goal to dig deeper beyond the activities that make your class awesome. So buckle up and join us on this journey. Welcome to another edition of Thinking PE. Stacy, you know what I've been thinking? I have no idea what you've been thinking, Jamie. I have been thinking, where are we going to start for this school year? <laughs> that is a big, big question. You know what would be a great idea? Is if somebody would get together like a bunch of PE teachers and put a Zoom meeting together and ask them questions like that. Like, how are we going to start this thing? Oh, that's a genius idea. <laughs> <laughs> turns out, turns out I think two people did that. Uh, I don't think I'd throw the genius thing around too far, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> relating to these guys. But yeah, th th that was a good session we had. We had some PE teachers that volunteered their time to sit and talk about this. And I, I think we got a great, great session here that's going to make a fabulous podcast today. And that was one of Tom Roberts' comments when we interviewed him back on a previous podcast was you get 15 fire teachers together in a room and they'll figure it out. And and, and that's, how these, that's how this happens, is you, you take all these concepts and ideas and anxieties and stresses, and pretty soon the ideas start to come out. And it, it, yeah. it's a pretty cool process. Yeah. And we didn't quite get to 15 this time. Hopefully uh, more people will show up next time. But we, we had um, four or five people that provided most of the content, and we had a few other people bop in and out and listen and that type of thing. And I'm hoping people feel welcome to do that. Um, we do, we're going to do it Wednesday nights here for – for sure through the rest of the month 
and maybe into September as well. So I'm ho hoping everybody feels welcome that if you're listening to the podcast, I hope you feel welcome to join us. It's Central Time, um, 8 p.m. on Wednesday nights. And look through it on Facebook. You can find the links to, um, to join us, but we, ho we hope you do. Yeah, but, that's, this, uh, that's this Wednesday, the 19th, and uh, the following Wednesday, the 26th yeah. and of if, August. If it goes well, we'll hopefully we'll just keep going right into September. So, But this particular um, um, section that we're going to talk about now or we're going we're gonna to have us listen to is um, interesting discussion started forming around masks. So I'm, I'm hoping you'll get as much out of it as we did. Take a listen. What are your rules about masks? We haven't been given any of that detail yet down to our level. It's just the, the general plan just got announced and now the details are gonna start coming okay. out. Anyway, the rest okay. of you? That's one detail they did put out to us is we will be wearing them. Outside too? When is it? Oh, I'm sorry. Not outside. Okay, Kyle, what? When is everybody, when are you guys all starting with kids? After Labor Day. The okay. 24th of August. Yeah. So you'll be, that's like two weeks before Texas getting so a jump the, start on us. I was actually really thinking about a shield just so kids could see my facial expression. Yeah, absolutely. That's and, and most of our community. And I, that's actually something I'm concerned with is with all the kids with face masks on. That, that's how I read kids that need help or, or you, you try to catch those kids that are frustrated or you know, need, need some extra, so you just, you read their facial expressions as well, so you can gauge how things are going, so I'm a little, little bit worried about that. Yeah. We okay. were told, I, I think a, we were told a combination of both is okay. Uh, I'm the same way. I want kids to be able to see my face, especially the young ones, but um, I think if we're at a safe distance, we're able to do a mask, um, still be able to talk, and and communicate but you know if a kid comes up maybe have a mask that we can pull up real fast and kind of have a combination of both but i don't know that That's... we're really supposed to do just a shield so i don't know there's some gray area that gray area there with us okay my wife was just talking about she got a mask today or not a mask a shield that she said was super comfortable and she's describing, I haven't seen it yet, but if it is really comfortable, I'll put it out there, what brand and whatnot. Because that's the big thing is for me, if I'm gonna wear something all day, every day, I, it's gotta be somewhat comfortable. It's up to me. I got my Green Bay Packer mask ready. You're, you're which one? Yeah. My Green Bay Packer mask. Oh awesome. my word. <laughs> you actually beat me. I was gonna put on, a, my son has a NASA space helmet. Yeah. But I, I'm gonna, trash that and get a Green Bay Packer mask. I was thinking Darth Vader would be a good one to have. <laughs> <laughs> so the first question to dive into the meat and potatoes of what we're going to do, what strategies are you using to set up your teaching space with this first week of school starting? Whether it's the gym, outdoors, if you're in a classroom or if you're in a closet. <laughs> I've been told we are I've been told we are, I'm able to use my gym. Um, again, we're doing the hybrid. So essentially we're going to have half our kids. Um, I think in my head, the most I'll have at a time is 10 to 12. Um, I have actually, I think I heard this on, maybe I saw it somewhere online, but getting floor tape and gridding out the gym floor. 
I actually had about four or five rolls of, of floor tape that I used, but I only did half of the gym just to start. Um, and I made essentially 56 boxes that were six feet apart. Um, I think, I think we're more concerned once the kids get there, I think we'll be fine. Um, I think our school is more concerned with the whole drop off and pickup policies, you know, scanning temperatures, asking the questions and trying to get kids to school. Um, but there is a period in the morning where there's a 10 minute overlap where kids are going to have to go somewhere and it's not all of them. It's just some of the bus riders that get there. So my principal and I decided let's try to do this grid on the gym floor. And, and, and that way, if there's 15 to 20 to 25 kids that get there early in the morning, they will have a place to go in the gym um, and be safely six feet, six feet apart visually on the floor. And then I will use that again in, in my classes and, and do stuff with that if, if we're not outside, you know, um, but try to get outside if we can. But uh, if I'm inside, at least mm -hmm. I'll have a, a grid to use and, and for kids to see where their space is and, and all that kind of stuff. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. You know, I think it's gonna, we're gonna have to really drill into these kids, you know, how to stay away from each other. I'm K4. Um, so I, I'm more worried about kindergartners, first graders. I think second, third, and fourth will be okay. They'll be able to understand a little better. I personally have a fourth grader and a second grader. Um, they're used to wearing their mask. We've been doing that a little bit, and I think they get it. But I worry about the youngers, the five, mm -hmm. the six-year-olds, and, and how they're going to do walking in the hallways. Now, everything else in the school, um, breakfast, lunch is going to be provided in school or in their classrooms, I'm sorry. So it's going to be brought to their classrooms. Uh, I think our teachers have been told, you know, they're not going to take bathroom breaks as a class. They're going to send them one or two at a time. So it's going to be rough on them to sit in the classroom. We're, we're going to be eight to one with kids. So five hours. Um, I think it'll be tough for them to one, sit there that long. Okay. Um, and two, just, you know, keeping them in the classrooms. I'm going to try to encourage our teachers to use, you guys have probably heard the brain breaks or the brain busters or the, you know, stuff like that. Just, I worry about the kids sitting too long and, and getting, getting uptight in the classrooms, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. So, you think the teachers will utilize bringing the kids outside for little breaks here and there? So I kind of caught, again, we started Monday, teachers started Monday. We've got all week to kind of plan and do, you know, virtual and prepare and do all that kind of stuff. Um, I kind of caught wind that I think each grade level will get one 15 to 20 minute recess during that five hour time. Um, they will not get PE every day. So our exploratory classes will be broken up between the two days that they're in session. Um, so I don't know. I, I hope they can get outside for a little bit longer. Uh, but I think there might be one, one recess time in there. So, yeah. Yeah. Even if you can encourage teachers just to take the class on a walk or, you know, go out, yeah. and go out and I don't look at the lady be able to take their masks off and, and yeah. kind of breathe a little bit so yeah yeah absolutely because yeah. even just to walk out there walk around take the mask off even if they didn't do an activity even just right. that getting out of the classroom a little bit is yeah. teachers absolutely they, they'll figure that out they'll and again i you know i personally think we'll be in class we'll be in session for a week maybe two and then i i think we'll get shut down and go full remote um our teachers have been told, you know, the first week 
they're going to test and test and test because we haven't been in school since March. So we've got to see where our kids are um, academically. Um, Welcome we back. Got a grant that, <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we, we got some, we got a grant to where if kids need them, they'll be able to have Chromebooks. So I think we're going to teach the kids how to log on, get onto all these online, you know, resources and be able to communicate if we do go full remote. So I think it's, I think it's anticipated in our district. So I think it's just a matter of time. Wow. Well, I hope you're wrong. I, hope I numbers, do too. I hope the numbers stay low enough. You can you keep contact with those kids, physical contact. I do they, too. Oh man, I think they need so it. That, but that's, that's heavily here is when we go back that we're, we're on the verge of going to a full distance learning within weeks. So it's number one, how am I going to set up my gym? But how am I going to set up my gym to maximize that, that two weeks to build relationships, to, yeah. to get to know kids in, in that short two weeks. Cause I mean, I haven't, we haven't seen the kids since what March. Yep. So that, that's, uh, I guess that, that's, that's on the forefront of my head is how, how am I going to use those first couple of weeks to, to maximize so that I can gain momentum into, into distance learning. Yeah. Uh, any insights into that, you guys, any, any thoughts that come to your head right away? you said you made a very good point about like trying to get as much bang for your buck in the short amount of time that you have because you might not be there for more than a yeah. couple of weeks before you're for your home um I, I i mean i can tell you that being that i just found out today what a tentative plan is for my district i mean i can tell you that i would like to start the very beginning in my gym like maybe for a class or two and then head straight outside so that there's some continuity with boundary lines and space and keeping spacing and learning basics, basic rules of the gym. Mm -hmm. um, but I also, I also agree that like, we have to be aware that this, the rules of the gym are wonderful, but then if it's, if the kids are home, you're talking about a completely different set of rules yeah. because yeah. the activities are different. Your spacing is different. Your curriculum is now different. Um, I think just maybe getting to know those kids as Easy, you know, as best as you can, trying to connect with them, you know, with a six foot barrier <laughs> to, to you and the kid. But, you know, just trying to get to, to reach out to every kid. I mean, again, in my case, I will most likely have no more than 12. And I think I could definitely hit upon every child in a class where I'm, I'm mm -hmm. talking to them. Hey, it's great seeing you. How was your summer? We're going to do the best we can. We're going to be having a great time today and review everything. I mean, I do think it's possible in a short time, unless you have like one day of school and then all of a sudden, oops, you got to go home, you know? Right. Well, in that two weeks, how many times would you see your kids? Oh, God. Uh, well, in the model that I'm in, really not many. Right. Um, That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> I, I guess three to four times, possibly. Yeah. I mean, in two you, weeks? We, well, I mean, you're start, we're starting on a Wednesday. Yeah. And then we start the schedule. So it's maybe less, maybe three times. Yeah. You know, I, I, I guess fingers crossed, hoping that we get more than two weeks before they say, oh, sorry, you know, we can't do it. Yeah. That, that would be max for me. Um, if we saw the kids twice, we'd be lucky in those two weeks. So, but that, that brings up, I mean, to kind of continue this line of thought of, do you guys have any games or activities that, you think would be really good where you only have like, like Jamie said, a short period of time you might only be able to see them one, two, three, four times. 
how do you get to know kids and still establish those things that you want to establish and keep them active? Any, any games you guys use now that are really good for that that come to your mind? I don't want to eat up all, the, all, all my time and spend all my effort going over rules and those sort of things when they may not be, like, like you said, non-pertinent if, we're going, if they're going to be at home. So it's like you said, trying to get the bang for the buck and trying to, trying to build relationships and have a, have a lot of fun while trying to teach the social distancing and, and, and all that at, all at the same time. Yeah. I, th I think going along with that, um, I think there has to be, and again, I'm K4, I think there's going to have to be some, you know, anticipation of shutting down kids. Hey, not only are you going to get math and spelling and science and all this stuff virtually, but you know, I'm going to be sending some activities or some things to do to keep you active at home. So don't forget about PE. Don't forget about music. Don't forget about art and, mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So. So you're kind of going to set your expectation for the gym and you and the outside, but it, as well as that, you're kind of setting up, if we go home, don't forget about, don't forget about me type of right. thing. That's yeah. I like yeah. that idea. So when it comes and Kyle, you had expressed some concern about, um, you know, teach, teaching that your, your kindergarten and first graders, that social distancing piece. And I, I had the opportunity to experience a unique, uh, a unique observation. I was at Lifetime Fitness where I work out and they have an outdoor pool. And I, I have a, a fourth grader and they have, a, they have water slides and stuff. And they have a lifeguard on the top and a lifeguard on the bottom. So I just sat there and watched and there must have been, you know, 30, 40 kids that are waiting in line for this. And there's no adults from the top to the bottom, but they have the little stickers on the steps as you go up. And I was watching these kids do social distancing without anybody telling them anything. I just thought, I just thought that was fascinating to see. Now, when they got to the bottom and there's no stickers, uh, there was no more social distancing. They're all bunched up. But you had, you had, you had little kids helping each other, follow the little stickers up. And I said, there wasn't an adult telling them anything. And they were, I said, the only reason they had the adult on the top and the bottom was to make sure, you know, 40 kids didn't end up in the, in the middle of the slide. Yeah, that's encouraging, Jamie. Yeah, it, it was it was it was fascinating. Now I have we weren't there soon soon enough in the process to see how they established that. You know, we when we came in, it was already established. So maybe they maybe they you know went went through that with yeah. some of the kids that, that are there often. But it brings up kind of more what we're kind of trying to talk about here, Tom. Where you just got here, so we're we're trying to talk about establishing those first. Uh, first needs, which is number one, how we're going to set up your gym or how you're going to set up your teaching space outside. And Jamie just mentioned, uh, I think a key thing here is visuals, stickers, or um, Kyle was talking about the grid we've been talking about for, se for, for several weeks. Any other ideas as far as uh, things that could really help you as a teacher <laughs> and the students in that manner be able to not have to be monitored all the time? I'm thinking of getting spray paint and spraying like X's or spots outside. I don't know if that's going to work, but. Yep. Yep. No, I think that's a really good idea. I mean, you, you can, I mean, if you have access to the, I, I forget what they call that line paint or yep. grass yep. paint or something. Yep. Right. Just to square off your space, especially if you have a lot of fields, but I, I agree. I mean, there's your, there's your poly spots right there. You can, yep make grids and X's and spaces that you need to. Yeah. And then the kids can't pick them up and throw them at each other. Exactly. <laughs> that's what, that's what I, I did a, um, 
a summer program at my school and um, I tried spots and you know they became frisbees and then I tried cones and they were kicked everywhere so I thought paint might work a little better if I tried that one yeah but you can learn how to stack your standards too because when they're kicking the cones you can run a formative kicking assessment right there <laughs> I was in touch with our other district uh, elementary teachers and we're talking about setting up a date when we just all get together and go from one school to the other with the paint, with the thing, and we help each other. You know, you, you, you know one's measuring, one's, you know, putting, um, putting the, something down so you, and the other's doing the painting and you go, you just kind of help each other out, set up, set up these grids and we want to, we're thinking maybe soccer um, it would be a unit we might be able to get by with starting with and within our soccer field paint squares so it'll look more like um, foosball <laughs> than, than soccer um, that kind of thing but you know again teaming together using each other as a, as a resource to, to to get that set up so Audrey that goes right along with what you were saying is yeah get get, get it set up and and paint it so it's it's there permanently. And Stacy, what you were talking about, like if you're going to start with soccer, if you had grids outside, it's a really easy visual to say you cannot have two kids in the same box yeah. at, at any given time. Yeah. So if you had it all squared out, that's really simple for a kid to say, yeah. all right, if I'm heading in this direction, Tommy's in this spot. I, I can't do that. I have to. It's a change of direction or practice your you know your trapping and then turning or whatever it is you're doing. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's it's possible the soccer union will be the best it ever was because they're gonna be forced to pass and they'll get it and the grid will be there. Like you said, it's a visual, I have to stop here. I have to pass it now to the next person up, the next level up and that type of a thing. And I don't know, maybe it'll really, really work on teamwork and um, passing more than I have in my other uh, soccer units. Uh, Stacy, I think for assessment purposes, we'll call that spatial awareness, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that that's an excellent place to start. And, uh, and we put a nice fancy name on it. <laughs> that's exactly what we're doing. You're right. <laughs> How about is everybody any, uh, planning on, and you guys might not know this yet, is everybody planning on using equipment allowed to or don't know yet? I'm hoping so. Man, I hope they don't shut that down. Yeah. And at this point, we haven't been told anything about sharing equipment or it seems like it's, it's, we're, we're, we're approaching, we're approaching our face to face as if it was just a regular school day. Yeah. And, and yeah. doing our best, doing our best to minimize contact and those sort of things, but it's not a, not an absolute or a ex expectation, I guess is the best word. Yeah, we have a solution that we're supposed to wipe down everything with in between classes. So we're going to try that. They're tied to, you know, there's so much gray area there. They say you can, uh, they tell us we can, but we got to disinfect. But with, I think with, we're going to have 20 minute class periods. It's like, I'm, you know, I'm not going to have time to do that. Um, so I'm, I'm really kind of trying to plan to see how much I can do without equipment movements, dance, yoga, you know, using projectors, you know, something inside, or like I said earlier, just simply, you know, get outside by the time the kids get to the gym, 
get outside, got 15, 18 minutes, let them walk around, take their masks off, breathe a little bit and, and have that be their break, you know, picking up trash, you know, just kind of, you know, using that as, as time to kind of get away from the classroom and have a little bit of freeness there. So yeah, just kind of curious about the equipment and stuff. And, you know, I think soccer could work, you know, especially if we really emphasize don't touch anything with your hands. So I think soccer is doable with the feet and knees and stuff. So, yeah. You know, Jamie, you made a comment in that section about masks and a really valid concern you have about not being able to see kids and their facial expressions. And you kind of mentioned some things you do. You kind of, you want to expand on that just a little bit about how you really hone in on kids' facial expressions? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean number one, it helps me with names, just seeing kids' faces. And I, yeah. in, my, in my fear with so many kids, they have masks on, I'm gonna struggle with names. Oh, true. But number two, I actually have really, really bad hearing, um, hearing damage and those. And uh, so I, I really rely on facial expressions to, to proactively help kids versus actually hearing, hearing what they're saying, yeah. you know, or even just I mean, anybody's like that. You look across the gym and you can see somebody that's struggling yeah. just based on their facial expression or see something that some, that some kid did really, really cool. And, and my fear is not being able to, uh, not being able to, to see those facial expressions and not being, being able to be as proactive and becoming more reactive. Yeah. Now you have to wait till you see the tears in their eyes to know they're really struggling and that, that could be tough. <laughs> yeah, absolutely for them because now, I mean, you're, you're, it's, you're, you're creating a negative experience for the student. Right. Now, there's a chance when we're not really close with students, we'll be able to wear shields. And I think that's super important that they see our face as, as well and that not be covered up. But I hadn't thought about it from the angle you were just presenting about how we need that feedback as well. And I don't think we're going to get all kids wearing shields. So. Not a chance. No. So, no, I thought that was super, uh, super good insight you had uh, on that from an angle that I had, I had not thought about. Um, the other thing you said, you were kind of on with this whole section. You, you had some really good insights. When you I had an extra about, cup of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you talked about the lessons that or at the beginning, we might only have two, three lessons. And to make sure we make use of those is really important to set up what might come as, you know, as soon as three weeks into this, you could be straight distance learning. If this whole thing explodes statewide, they could shut the whole state down. We don't know. Yeah, that's a very real thing. I mean, it's almost something that you should expect versus predict. And, hmm. uh, you know, so if you know that you're only going to see these kids for three weeks or, or have them for four lessons, does that change how you approach? Yeah. And, uh, that's where we're going to, that's where you want to maximize that activity. So it's finding activities that are going to reinforce your, uh, your expectations and, and, the, and the structures in class, but also kind of setting yourself up for that distance learning, building those relationships so that, so that you can ride the wave like we did last year. Yeah. Yeah. So you're kind of teaching setting up your expectations for what you're doing now, but you're also setting some groundwork for a transition if, that, if that's necessary. So I, I really think it's important to, to think about. And uh, again, I, I hadn't thought that far ahead to think of, oh my word, it's, there's a good possibility we could jump from every kid in 
to mm -hmm. freak it out in in a matter of a couple of weeks it could just happen and i mean it could go statewide boom and, and nobody has a choice it's just that's what we're doing so i don't want to paint a pessimistic you know whole scenario here but it really could happen and why not be prepared for by taking full advantage of those first few meetings face to face well, you know and that's a great that's a information is power and that's a great point it's just you you have the information in front of you you've we've we've lived this it's not a surprise anymore so why not why not start to prepare for it and yeah we don't have to we don't have to prepare for it filled with anxiety yeah i mean just yeah. look how much we accomplished in the past absolutely and to kind of shift that whole thing from anxiety to a real positive note is your story about the lifetime fitness pool it was yeah. that was so encouraging to me that you kind of said i just stepped back and watched these kids and they're helping each other they're staying apart they're, they're staying on their stickers and that kind of highlights what we had just kind of went through about all the different ways to set up your gym and your outdoor spaces yeah and we had found visuals and routines are going to be the keys and and that's that's not some magical secret to a successful physical education teacher that's that comes in your in your teaching 101 classes yeah that's that's very true so well in this next section i kind of had this question brewing um for several weeks now again as we think about the different types of activities the easier ones are going to be the ones where we we don't isolate kids but we kind of keep them in their own space mm -hmm. and they drill and they dance and they do exercises and, and those will be the easier things to do and that'll be fine for a while. But to me, that's not the magic of PE and that's not the magic of what I bring to class usually is, is I bring kids together to have a ball together. Mm -hmm. Maybe that just won't be able to happen. I don't know. I might have to just get that through my head. But this discussion started to take place where I kind of threw that out there of, is there ways that we still can get kids to interact and still follow the six, the six feet rule and the mask rule and still keep kids safe, but have them still interacting with each other. So that's where this, this question is heading in this next session. I kind of share your uh, concern there, Stace, especially with like, I'm not quite sure how um, like cooperative activities are going to look. And I consider that to be a huge part of my curriculum. Yeah. So there's, some apprehension there for me also to still be able to include that in my curriculum, um, but still be within the guidelines. Yeah, yeah. Kai, what do you think? How do you wrestle with that? Because you were kind of talking about wanting to go to these others and I'm kind of saying, yeah, that's good for a while, but if you do that for so long, how, how are we gonna maintain the, the excitement for people? I totally agree. Yeah. I totally agree. I think the, uh, you know, the, the games and the, you know, the cooperation needs to be there. But I mean, I hate to say it personally at my, in my district, I don't think it's gonna happen. You don't? I don't think we're going to be able to do volleyball and do badminton and, and do all these things to where they are, you know, sharing these things and, and working together as a team. I just, I see it being, individual um maybe not so much individual i think there are some things that i can do you know that you can do with partners you know kind of you know mirroring each other or yeah. rock paper scissors yeah. but i think personally where i'm at i don't know that there's going to be that major use of equipment teaching skills shooting basketballs everybody having their own stuff i just don't see it happening but again i i really hope 
I hope it will change and I'll be able to, but yeah. it's going to be tough. But I, I agree. I, I totally agree with you. Okay. So with that in mind, what are there some fun games we can do where there's still, where there's minimal equipment or zero and they do stay six feet apart? Um, one that comes to mind is like red light, green light. Kids love it. And if, you get, if you're outside, spread them out and you can do red light, green light. And I, I think stuff like that would work. Um, that, that, that's Especially, the thing in my mind. Any other ideas of, uh, of games for people that are listening that we could do? I did a game with my older kids this summer. Um, I don't know the name of it, <laughs> but they get in a big circle, socially distant. Um, there's a ball used. Um, the, there's a person in the center of the circle who's still six feet away from everybody. Um, and everybody has a number. And that person throws the ball up in the air, calls out a number. The person who whose number it is has to get in there and catch that ball and then yell stop. Everybody is running away from the circle. And then he throws the ball at one of them who's closest to him. And then that person is now in the center. Um, but I had to wipe down the ball after each time we did it. So, <laughs> well, but they enjoyed it. They loved that game. They were like, we got to do this again. And so they really enjoyed it. And I felt like I was doing as much as I can by keeping them socially distant, big game, wide space, but I don't know. <laughs> so you were still able to do it because you just stopped it for a second, wiped down the ball and then went on again. Correct. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Genius, <laughs> <I'll say. laughs> and, and like you, that was my question. Did the kids still have a blast? I bet they enjoyed it. They didn't even want to go back in, and we want to play it again. I'm like, it's your time to go in. Sorry, yeah. so they really liked it. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that's kind of what my gut is: is getting games like that, even if we have to interrupt the game or whatever. Um, that's great, Audrey. That's a great example. So one thing I do want to do. The, the cooperative games to start the year as much as I can just to get to know the kids and create that excitement. And, and uh, one activity I always, always did was uh, it was just an obstacle course where the students had a partner and the partner was blindfolded or had their eyes closed. And you had to guide them through the obstacle course, you know, so it was very, and they, their partner could only, only tell them what to do. And, and the obstacle course was just like, you know, you'd have to step inside a hula hoop or try not to step on the lines and those, those sort of things. Um, I've heard it called the minefield too. But I was thinking that could easily respecting social distance it's to Kyle's point there it's it's minimal or no equipment because you could actually just do it with just the lines you know don't step on a line on I actually floor. did I actually did that game this summer too <laughs> and to go to, if you're in New York like Don the, the farther the, the farther you are from the from your partner it actually creates more of a challenge yeah. and that's something I do with my with my fifth graders is they're actually on the opposite end of the gym so now they have to shout and yell and get excited to try to get their partner to move who's on the other side of the gym. Yeah. Audrey, you said you did that game. How did, how did that go for you? It was good. Um, I had one person who was guiding the other one verbally um, through an obstacle course, but he was far apart. And so he was yelling, they were all yelling to their partners, you know, go left, go right. Okay. You know, you're running into something, you know, anyhow, it worked really good. They liked that one game too, very much. Fantastic. So in, in tag games, I think we could still do, especially if the kids use you know, a six-foot pool noodle, if you're a tagger, because tagging inherently 
stresses, you know, spatial awareness. Yeah. No, I like that idea of TAG. I usually use that at the beginning of the school year, especially to establish um, with the young kids, my squads, because mm -hmm. we only have kids once every four days, plus the weekends that can be six days before they see them again. And as you know, with kindergartners that, you know, they're not going to have a clue where they were sitting, but that's, that's my idea of practice. Instead of having them sit in their squads, all right, everybody go run, mix up, and then come back to your squads. It's, we play one minute tag. I give, you know, five pool noodles out, they go play tag. And then when the music stops, they all come back and they have to find their exact dot to sit on. And, um, that's kind of again, what I'm looking for other ideas like that of establishing routine, but the kids don't know that it's what I'm doing. They think we're just playing mm -hmm. tag. Any other ideas for establishing some of your initial routines, six foot distance, masks? Um, um, I'm trying to think of, you know, where to, where to sit, you know, how, when, how you come in, all, how you line up at the end, any of those. And do you guys have any games or gamifying it in some way that you can do it rather than just talking at kids? Um, at the, well, at the beginning of the year, the way that I typically start my year, I do about a week to start with um, like orientation stuff, spatial awareness, personal st space, general space, freezing on the signal. Um, we do an activity at the beginning of the year where they have to go from one side of the gym to the other without, you know, going past our borderline. So with, uh, with our younger kids, I have these, I make up from Toy Story, I have these different signs. So one group is the Woody group, the Buzz group, you know, the, the Bullseye group. Yeah, ham group. You just lift it up. If that's the kids' group, they run to the other side. They slow down. They stop on the line. So, like stuff that I would normally do in the gym, I think I could easily still accomplish that way, because I still want them to be able to stay within our boundary lines. I still want them to be able to move without crashing into others. Um, we also, I also tend to do like you. Some of you mentioned the spots. So we have squad spots. And I want kids moving quickly and I try to do it in under a certain set amount of time. So whether it's to stand on the middle circle, if I yell fire drill, the kids run over to line up when we would go to line up, like all that stuff that I would normally do, I think I can still accomplish okay. because I still want to get those, those things set in stone. And then I usually go in week two right into my tag unit because I use that as part of my cooperative activities. Yeah. And then that's where the challenge is going to come in, whether or not we will even be allowed to touch another, you know, have a kid touch another kid with a noodle, because I, I don't even know if that's seen by the higher ups as no, you can't do that. That's, nice. it's not physical distance. Um, but, you know, getting some sort of any, whatever you would normally do, I think at the very beginning, as long as the kids are not on top of each other, I, I still think it's still a, a worthwhile way to um, incorporate whether it's like, like my toy. Yeah. What about the rest of you? How do you start your year to really establish those regular norms? And then can you do the same principle to expand to these new norms? I tried something last year going back to like squad lines. Um, it's called whistle one, two, three. So once they're in their lines, you can blow your whistle once, twice or three times or four or five, depending on how many kids you have in a line. So if you're the third person in line, 
you blow your whistle three times, every one of those persons, I think that's right, essentially gets to run around the gym or in your area without touching anybody, without doing anything, um, while everybody else is frozen, then you blow your whistle again, whether it be once or five or four. So each person has that designated number. You know, you blow it twice, everybody else freezes. The second person will then get to go run and, and you know, run around the gym. So at the end, once you blow your whistle however many times, you know, you've got kids spread out all over the gym, then you can bring them back, see where they are, you know, get them back into their lines. And then, you know, you can do that a couple of times. It's, I use that as a warm up activity and also like to get them back in their lines and, and things like that. So. All right. I like it. Others. Tom, what, Tom, what do you do to establish your, your norms? Can you explain that in a, in a short sentence or two or? Um, I think it's kind of already been brought up. I think the freezing part is, um, is, is really big. Um, so practicing that routine and, um, a lot of our, our school is kind of follows the responsive classroom, you know, mm -hmm. elementary K through five models. So a lot of the first six weeks, especially with K through two is just modeling and demonstrating the behavior that you want them to, um, get accustomed to. So. You know that's going to be a little different, but I think, I think like you said before, Stacy, we still want to keep those beginning of the year routines normal as possible, so we can kind of get them going and and being what we want them to be, and what we want them to know, and and how we want them to respond to our directions and so forth. Right. And I guess for me, I I'm just always looking for ways to make it fun, take the mundane and make it fun. Yeah, because we have to get those things established. Otherwise, nothing's fun if there's no norms. <laughs> and so um, that's why I'm looking for other ideas always of how you can creatively make, make something, um, make, it, make it fun. Take the mundane, make it fun, I guess. Um, we can keep going on these types of subjects, but another thing just popped into my head are, if you have to wear a mask in, inside, um, I was talking to my wife about this. I'll give her credit for it, but she was talking about maybe even as part of your gym setup, establishing some places along the side where if you're starting to feel overheated or winded, you can pull yourself out, you know, and, and pull your mask down type of a thing where, okay, I don't want you to feel claustrophobic in class and afraid to take your mask off because, you know, that's all they've been hearing for the last three weeks is wear your mask, wear your mask. So like I have a stage connected, I could maybe set up five dots where they're all apart on the stage and say, hey, if you're, if you're playing a game and you're winded, go up there, stand on one of the dots and, and pull it down and, and just trying to establish, uh, it's important to wear your mask, but it's not more important than me yelling at you or, you know, I, I just want to have, have a happy medium in there where, yeah, we want kids to follow, but I don't want kids to be afraid to pull a mask off. If, yeah, can you imagine going home and uh, spending a day where you could hardly breathe, but you were just afraid that the teacher was going to yell at you for pulling down your mask? I, I just don't want things like that to happen. Um, well, and uh, you see those, those areas for, to do that would be probably important for your asthmatic kids. That, that for sure. Need to do that. And that's, yeah. that's, that's getting to be more and more of our, our, our kids. So. Yeah. And for your 
highly competitive kids. That a mask isn't going to slow them down until <laughs> until they're about ready to drop, and to give them permission to go to go there. I mean, some of us were probably that kid. <laughs> if we had this when we were kids, we wouldn't have stopped unless the teacher purposely put a spot and made it the norm that yeah, kids go up there all the time to take take five seconds, ten seconds to breathe, and then they come down or whatever. But this again establish that as as part of the norm. Um, have you guys thought about that as far as part of your gym setup? And I mean, that's kind of what I was thinking about. What what else do we need to have set up in our gym besides a grid? Um, any any other things you're going to put in your gym? Um, visuals or otherwise on the walls or on the floors? A shelf for the water bottles. The kids are coming in with water bottles. Oh, they are. They have sh they're shutting all the water fountains off in our school. Oh yeah. Yeah, sure. actually. Glad you mentioned that, Audrey. Same same thing in my school. They're, they're shutting down the water fountains. I'm sure all the way around they will. Good idea. Oh yeah. So another thing I, I was thinking. Go ahead, Nick, Kyle. I asked my principal the other day uh, about that. How to bring water bottles and yeah, they're gonna shut our water fountains off, so kids will be able to bring theirs. So I'm glad you brought that up because we're I'm gonna have to you know designate you know, space, certain areas for them to put those and make sure they're spread out. And I don't know if that's a simple X on the wall or on the floor by the wall or something, but yeah, it's a good point. Where do they fill their water bottles? So I think oh, in their classrooms, they're going to have, they're going to have, I don't even know what they are, automatic water dispensers that we spent oh. probably hundreds and thousands of dollars on. So, wow. <laughs> so they'll have, they'll have to, uh, they'll have to be in, be have filled, when they get there so okay jamie you were going to say something earlier what was that oh i, I was going to say uh it flew out of my head um oh a cleaning station for equipment at some point some sort of uh some sort of cleaning station because that that's something even even down to the kindergarten level i like to eventually get as part of the routine and i just think it's coming to my school is is kids kids helping with that transition of where we use we use we play a game we use the equipment then we clean it up just like if we were putting it away yeah there's that established practice routines over and over which you know i'm actually there's a side of me that's that's i don't want to say cynical or fun the funny side of me is i just actually can't wait to watch kindergartners for the first time see how that see how that train wreck is going to go <laughs> we should all just make sure we have a videotape going just just to have some good footage to put out <laughs> oh that's true it's, 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 it's because they're they're so literal and they will they will whatever directions you give they will do that to the absolute letter or become really really creative yeah i'm just actually can't wait to see what they come up with okay <laughs> oh can i say something about the mask real quick yeah our school they're not making them wear masks until the age of 10 so everybody who's below the age of 10 does not have to wear a mask wow is that based you on your birthday is that based on your birthday or maturity <laughs> You're trying to slide in there, aren't you, Jamie? Yeah, right, right in there. <laughs> oh, that's um, interesting. Is that is that research based? That their magical age of ten, or just what they seem thought was reasonable? Or I think our governor said that based on whatever. I don't know. Well, 
Well, if your governor said it, then it must be research-based. <laughs> that's that's kind of cool, though. What state is that, Audrey? Texas. 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 Yeah. Texas is kind of a country of its own, so <laughs> <laughs> you know how that goes. <laughs> I, I learned that. I only say that because that's what Texans told me. So <laughs> we are, we are. Hey, Stacey, you made a great point about about the the need for those interactive games and what and, and the importance of of what that is with our fire class because we need to hit those standards with with students working with each other and you know I think it, it is important to respect that the social distancing and the safety guidelines if, if that's what your district requires you to do. But we've got to figure out those creative ways to get to get interaction with student and teacher, but most importantly, too, student to student, because that's really what they missed during the social distancing was was that interaction. Yeah, I, I think you just nailed it there, Jamie. I, I wish I could make, say things as concise as you do. I seem to like to ramble, but I, there's just it's just on my heart big that we're going to find things to keep kids busy. That won't be of trouble. But can we make FIAD class as engaging as it was before? I think we mm -hmm. can, but it's going to take some extra work and some extra creativity. Well, that's just it. We've got to find ways, you know, some of the, some of the biggest strengths of helping kids learn is, is peer tutoring. You know, if, if a student's struggling, you might partner up with a student that, that has mastered the standards. So that you have that peer tutoring going on and, and the cooperation that happens. And, and we you know, we, we talked about the SEL and that, that, that cooperation and communication is all part of social emotional learning. We, we've got to make sure that we're providing those opportunities. Yeah. And some of the things that I've mentioned on this podcast and others about even just mirroring, mm -hmm. even, if, even if they're 12 feet away, 15 feet away, um, they're interacting. The, the game you brought up with um, the minefield. walking through an obstacle course, they're interacting. There, it's that type of a thing where I think we need to make sure we're doing, even if they have to do it at a distance to keep the safe distance, that's fine. Let's find those creative games. And a few of them were mentioned here, and I'm hoping in the future podcasts, we can really bring out some more of those uh, as well. Um, one of the things I was thinking about is I was listening to all these games, and I'm hoping people will stop their podcasts and go back and listen, because it took me two, three times to really listen there were several really great activities that were mentioned by, um, by the panel here. And it kind of hit me at the end, kind of thinking, you know what really good teachers do? They teach, they don't tell. When we were talking about the rules. I like that. I love the illustrations to Tom and, you know, and Don, and I think each person kind of gave one that they're not just telling the rules and then expecting them to follow. They creatively find ways what was it the one you mentioned well, I, I yell firehouse or you know fire and then they do this just a little thing like that makes it fun and it makes it a game or gamifies it a little bit and then the kids learn it so much better but he's giving them a chance to practice he's not just telling he's teaching you know and that's that's with with anything that we do how what what games activities can we come up with to reinforce staying six feet apart what games activities can we come up with that reinforce keeping your mask on? You know, just, just those little things. And, and uh, we don't have those answers yet, but the key word there is yet. yet. As, we, as we get on social media, as we listen to our podcasts and start connecting with other teachers, those, those, those answers start to come. Yeah. And what's going to be really interesting, and I know this is big on your heart, Jamie, is 
not just you, but all throughout the building, how are teachers going to handle when a kid doesn't have his mask on or doesn't, you know, whether it's on purpose because kids do that or by accident, how are we going to address that situation? And I know it's big on your heart, like I said, that we keep the child in mind, that they're a person, they're a little person, they have feelings, and that relationship with them is more important than, I want to say a silly rule. It's not a silly rule, but, but then a rule. You want, to, you want to kind of expand on what I well, know? Yeah, you know, because I, I can come at it from two different angles, two different, two different life experiences. I can take the life experience of the Marine Corps, and when somebody is not following their direction, there's a distinct, a distinct way to address that situation that is actually ineffective in a school. And I hope people take the other side of the road and if, if those things are happening, remembering that they're kids and they have anxiety too. They're, they're getting this anxiety from, from every direction and from everywhere and use it as a teachable moment. Again, teach, teach don't tell. Yeah. And just use it as a teachable moment. Guy and find ways, just like if, if, if we're playing a game or activity and somebody's not exactly playing by the rules, how can, how can we address that situation and still allow, I say, make it a learnable moment without, without having the, having the, the, the child be, belittled? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really, really well said, uh, how, how you phrased that. Um, Tom kind of indicated a piece of how to prepare for that with the modeling in his building that they do and then I just I just think also for me and probably for other people I need to think through this ahead of time how am I going to respond when a kid doesn't do this and if I can if I can do that have it thought through ahead of time I know I'll be at my best with the pre-thought out things rather than reacting like oh my gosh the kid you know four kids have their masks down and now I'm reacting well, well if I thought through this ahead of time I can respond the way I want to in the way that you just described rather than me just flying off the handle. And I would challenge educators out there how they've handled situations in the past or how they're going to handle them. I mean, if they struggle with those classroom management situations in the past, this is nothing new. Yeah. We, we've, we've had, we've had gum in the classrooms that we've had to deal with. We've had passing notes. Now we have cell phones, earbuds, iPods. I mean, you name it, there's, there's always something. It's, it's yeah. how, how do you deal with it? How do you maintain that positive environment and still reinforce the expectations as a school? Yeah. And do you have any hints for somebody? Let's say they heard you just say that and they know in their heart they've actually struggled with some of these things you just mentioned and you just told them they're going to have trouble with this too. Any thoughts or suggestions to prepare for this year? Uh, as you prepare for the year, it, it just it, it's a mindset. Okay. It, it really is. It's it's just approaching approaching the year with the with the with the kid in the center, okay. and we we can have our anxieties, but we can't let those anxieties affect the students. And that if we're truly doing things for the kids, don't just say it. Make sure that when we make decisions or when we address situations, that we are truly keeping the, keeping the child in the center of that thought. Okay, yeah, I think that's that's really good insight, and to go with that. You're going to make big changes. You're going to fail sometimes. You're going to do it the way you want to sometimes and have grace for when you don't and then step back into it. Apologize to the kid if you need to. Step back and then get back into the groove that you want to be in. And we're all going to fall out of it. We're all going to have those times. 
Well, and remember those because those become some great I'll never do that again stories. Yes, they do. And, and we can maybe hear them on a podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but speaking of those anxieties, it kind of feeds us into this last section. And I know this podcast is getting a bit long or it's, it's a bit longer than we like to, to have them. But I just didn't want to cut this last section out. It, it's Jamie brought up the ideas of fears and asked the, the panel what fears they have. And I kind of expected some pat answers, but we didn't get them. There's, there's some deep thoughts, <laughs> deep thought out fears, I guess. It's kind of a weird way of saying it, but it's just well worth listening to this last section. So I hope you stick with us and take a, take a listen to this last section. What's your top concerns going into the school year? If you can narrow it down to one or two things, And just, just go because this is actually a two-part question. The first part, the first part of it here is just what is your, what is your single greatest concern as as we move move into this upcoming school year? Sounds like Audrey, yours is just simply the schedule. Yeah. Mine is probably getting in trouble, because I just, I'm a little bit cynical at some of this. If if they get over, I say overly strict and I say overly that's according to me <laughs> you know if they really clamp down and they're saying okay no equipment no this no you can't do that I'm there's a certain point where I'm going to go and I'm going to try some things that and I might just get in a little bit of trouble that you know I might think something's fine and another parent will go oh my gosh you had the kids play tag I'm thinking well I had a six foot noodle I had this you know that's what I mean is I want the kids to still have fun so I'm going to do what I think is kosher, but my opinion might be different than somebody else's. And that kid goes home and says, yeah, we played dig and we had a six foot noodle and, and a parent goes, that's a, sees it different world differently comes down. And then I get in trouble for, for that. I, I don't think I'll lose my job. I just don't want to number one, I don't want to get in trouble, but on the other hand, I don't want to cause that parent stress either. You know, just cause they see the world different than I do. So I, I, I don't know, that's, I'm kind of running that, that line a little bit of, I put, I put fun over safety a little bit more than other people do. I'm going to cut that part out of the podcast too, just so you know, but, but I do, I'd rather see kids having fun and they, you know, a little bit of hurt, you know, we do scooters and they run over their fingers. I'm okay with that because the fun you have is over, overridden by a little owie on a finger. Other teachers see it differently. Other parents see it differently. And, I just don't want to run into that conflict. I guess that's what I'm saying. I see a smirking time. I, I had two separate kids lose teeth last year from scooters. Is that right? One of them, one of them got up laughing and said, I can't find my tooth. So I hear you, Stacy. Oh, that's fun. With a big smile on their face, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Other concerns? I'm honestly concerned with shutting down and going full remote. Okay. I, I worry for the kids and I just, I worry about being able to provide stuff remotely, you know. I'm sure that mine's, mine's the balance between safety and, and then going to the distance learning. And I just, the, the social aspect for kids, I, I fear. Yeah. For, for us, we can put it together. We, we're teachers, we're professionals, we can figure it out. But for the kids, it's just not going to be as good, you know. No matter how good we are at providing distance, it's not as good as 
you know, everything you just said, Jamie, about being in person and uh, all the things we were talking about, spatial awareness and all that is so much harder to teach from. <laughs> then it's the giant snowball of snowball effect is where does this, where does this giant snowball roll in the direction of our profession? Yeah. So, yeah. but let's spice up. So what are you most excited for to start the year? And personally, mine, just to break the ice, I'm most excited just to be back with the kids. And that's, I actually am actually the most excited than any part of the 15 years I've been teaching. Yes. Most excited to get back with the kids. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah I definitely I agree. agree. I agree, Jamie. Backtrack a little bit. I think one other thing that I'm concerned about is I fiver, nucks, hugs, kids want hugs, I give hugs, I'm worried that I'm going to mess up and forget, you know, yeah. once we see him and, you know, not get in trouble, but just have to yeah. remind myself like, hey, we can't, can't do that anymore. We can't high five. We can't, you know, because you hear it, kids, kids that don't get hugs, they need them and they'll want them and they'll want to be touching us, but we're going to have to tell kids, hey, we can't touch each other. And that just that breaks my heart. And how do we do that and still get the same message across that without the hug? You know what I mean? The message is, hey, I love you. I, I want to I contact too, but we just can't. And without, without that, oh, can't touch. You know, that's, there's different ways of saying that. How can, we, how can we get the message across that we do love them, we do care for them, we do want to touch, we just can't? Um, I suppose it's kind of... Uh I, but I, I would take it one step further and go to a, a, a fear of mine or something I'm very concerned of is that when all these kids come back to school, that we're actually putting more stress on them by how we're trying to, how we're trying to teach our social distancing, how we're trying to keep them six feet apart and keep your mask on, where now they just come to school for five hours and just get absolutely badgered about the, everything that they should be, you know, just constant redirection. And, yeah. Uh, so I, I think personally in the gym, it's going to be finding, finding ways to redirect like I would any other game. If a, if a student isn't exactly following a rule or, do, or doing something wrong, whether maybe they're doing a skill wrong, you know, how do you go there and give that corrective feedback or that guidance to help the student versus, you know, shouting across the gym to put your mask on. Jamie, you and I had touched on that in a private conversation earlier about how that could just be devastating to some of these kids. If, too many teachers are too rigid and worry uptight about all the rules and almost put the rules above the relationship. And like you said, hollering at a kid across the wave to put his mask on. If that's the message they get with every teacher over and over and over, what, what's that going to do for the over? I mean, kids are resilient. I get it. But just the overall feeling of being at school, like Jamie said, might be a feeling of more stress than um, just being at home. I don't know. I, this summer when I was teaching the kids, they, were, they would come out one at a time to me and I told them to give me a thumbs up if they're doing good or a thumbs down. And as they were walking past me, I talked to them if they had a thumbs down, what's going on with you today as they walked over to a spot. So that was one way I tried to kind of connect with them without hugging or anything like that. What do you think about developing like a, a distance knuckles or, a di you know, something fairly quick or maybe even something special for the PE teacher? Uh, and, you know, people have their special handshakes. You know, it'd, be, it'd be fun if anybody 
develops a, a fun little activity or I mean it's got to be short because you got to be able to do it regular it's something for the kids that it's just hey this and it's kind of our thing type of a thing and it's almost better than a hug it's I don't know any, does that spur any ideas in people's minds with distance high five or a distance knuckles or a secret secret air handshake or mm -hmm. I don't know I bet you there's some PE teachers that are going to come up with some pretty cool stuff. I hope I hope they share it on Twitter or other places. Yes. Just to get that message across that, hey, school isn't about COVID. It's not about the rules. We care about you. We were talking about the units and standards or uh, games that you might start with. We talked about, Kyle, you talked about maybe dance, um, fitness, um what are some and we talk about soccer what are what other units would really lend themselves to be good like the first three four units to start with i think with the youngers you know kindergarten first grade um re-emphasizing reteaching locomotor skills yeah mm -hmm. um, good. those would be especially those kindergarten yeah those would be no especially kindergarten no no equipment and, you know just <laughs> yeah and and you know, not just doing it in one space or six feet apart, but I think if, if your class is small enough in numbers, you can still do the relay race type thing and let yeah. them, you know, go back and forth. And just Great as idea. long as you have markers to show where six feet apart is or however, however long it has to be. But I think, I think getting them active and doing that kind of stuff is still, you can probably still do that too. So locomotor skills. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, anybody else? Units or maybe get off the idea of units and get onto standards. Like Kyle was just talking about the locomotive skills. Any other standards? All the SEL types of standards stand out that we could emphasize those, you know, the personal responsibility and as long as we're building in routines and stuff, um, those, um, those Things that go right along with the SEL would be really good to um, to hammer mm -hmm. on. Well, I, th I think too, uh, Jamie, that you know our, our kids are going to be anxious enough as it is when they're coming back. So um, I think adding that SEL part to your lessons is tremendously important. Um, and you know, to give your your kids the the social emotional tools to to cope with the stresses that you're going to be dealing with if they go back um, and are in school, uh, I think is really important, as you said. Yeah. Good, Tom. I would say that kicks us into, into what, what next week or what next week will look like for us. And you know, a couple of things we want to touch on is really, uh, you know, like homework assignments. No equipment type games was, was one thing we wanted to kind of brainstorm and bring to the table next week. And then, uh, the idea of fitness, uh, fitness and dance activities, you know, to respect that social distancing, but how can we gamify fitness and dance activities to try to, to boost that engagement piece? Yeah. And, then that, and then another thing to add to it is, with all that in mind, is to add that SEL, that social emotional learn, uh, learning, like, uh, like Tom put there in the, in the chat, hashtag health move minds. Yeah. So yeah, so that's where we'd like to go next week, is those three topics, if you can, Spread the word to other teachers to get them thinking and get a few 
uh, a few others on here. Otherwise, those will kind of be the topics we kind of cover. Um, I want to respect your time. Um, we'll hang out for a little bit afterwards, but I think we'll wrap it up here. Thank you guys so much for being willing to, uh, to kind of put this out. I think it's going to make a real nice podcast with just having everybody on here willing to share. Um, you guys had some great insights and um, I don't know if you've been keeping touch. Jamie's been putting things out, but there's been over 3000 listens to those other podcasts that people, you guys have been doing. And so people are interested. They're really, they're really um, being helped by what you're, by what you're saying and, and doing on these podcasts. So pretty, I gotta, pretty well, you do it. I gotta say, yeah. I gotta, I'm sorry. I was gonna say, I truly have to say thank you on, on just on from, from a personal standpoint on how, how much, confidence talking to people gives me just in brainstorming ideas and what the start of the school year is going to look like and sharing some of the frustrations with other teachers but it helps me to be able to have that growth mindset so I, I, I truly do thank anybody and everybody you know Jamie these fears are real they're real for everybody we only heard from a couple of teachers but I think any teacher you talk to, if they're being honest, they have some anxiety, they have some fears. And I just want to make sure that we're validating them here, that we, we let people know it's okay. And give ourselves some grace for having those fears. And I had heard a while back when I was in business, they talked about uh, throwing upward, not downward. <laughs> and anyway, so when I was in business, you don't want to throw up on the people that, are, that you're in charge of. If you have something, anxiety or whatever, throw up on the people above you because they can help you. And I just thought about that for an idea of people as they're approaching these fears and that type of thing. But we were talking off air and I thought you had a really interesting thing that you had just learned. Can you kind of riff on what you were talking to me about? Oh yeah, and it's just, it does. It just validates that we all have fears. And, and for most of us, our, our fears are, are this upcoming and approaching school year. But you know, I've done some, done some research and listened to people based on, based on fear and how to, how to overcome fear. And, you know, you have Chris Hadfield, who's an astronaut for uh, uh, a Canadian astronaut, actually. And he had just talked, you know, maybe you saw his, but you, they, they, don't go up to, they don't go up to space with their fingers crossed when they launch on the rocket. And that fear is overcome through knowledge. And they, they know how to solve every problem in a snap of a finger. They're just through, through drills and routine and knowledge. It takes the fear out of launching a rocket filled with millions of pounds of, of, of fuel. You know, another good one was uh, Jocko Wilnick. He was, a, he was a Navy SEAL and talked about overcoming fear. And one of the first things you have to do to overcome fear is face that fear. Mm. And, and you, it starts in small, in small steps. And it starts with knowledge. You, start, you learn about what it is that, what it is, where that fear is stemming from. And the more you're, you're exposed with that knowledge in those situations, step by step by step, you start to overcome that fear. And I think that's really important in this situation is, you know, st start small, start with those conversations and, and some of that anxiety and fear will start to go away just like it did for distance learning. And hopefully that's what listening to podcasts will do. We're talking to colleagues and having conversations like we're having here. Hopefully it, it helps to rid some of that anxiety as like you said, the more knowledge we have, the, the more we'll be able to overcome that. And you also mentioned something earlier about um, we're all, we have these fears, but we also have this excitement. And we need to make well, sure we're sharing the excitement with the kids and 
talk more about that. Well, I was just saying, you know, we're going to have those fears. And, and in, in many ways, it's important for us not to keep those, but to not let that affect the students. Yeah. We want those students feeding off our excitement yeah. and not feeding off our fears. So again, just, just with that exposure and, and more knowledge and experiences, those, those fears and anxiety will start to go away. But in the initial, especially that first week of school when everything is new, it's new for everybody. And it's okay to recognize that it's a valid feeling, but have those students feed off your excitement like they're used to and try to bring some, 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 something normal back into their, back into their lives. Yeah. I think that's such a great point, Jamie. I, it, that's going to be something I'm, I hope I hang on to and remember um, when I do actually get closer. I mean, we're still a couple of weeks out, but when those first days come, I'm hoping put that aside and, and let that excitement shine through. And, and this kids always feed off our energy and then it's just so much fun, not only for them, but it is for us too. So um, we're kind of coming to the end here. Um, as you think back this conversation, how would you summarize it? How would you wrap it up? Gosh, I have to tell you, not knowing where to start and having fears are very real. Yeah. But conversations with colleagues can overcome both. And that is Thinking PE. Thank you.